the cycling podcast powered by super sapiens energy management for committed athletes and coaches hello this is kate wagner for the cycling podcast and i'm here to issue a swearing warning uh, normally, the cycling podcast is quite family friendly, but sometimes when you are familiar with uh, other people, they feel comfortable swearing in front of you. And even though this is uh, colorful language, I promise you it's, uh, it's very funny and very worth it. So, yeah, thanks. Ciao. Adio. It's raining again in Ljubljana. I take a bus into Bejigran a neighborhood with a bit more density than the city center. The time is around 9 in the morning, and I'm due at the Slovenian equivalent to the National Chamber of Commerce, where journalists are gathering to have a press conference with someone who's unexpectedly home. When I get there, I see colleagues I recognize, and everything becomes more familiar, easier. That's an interesting thing about journalism. Everyone, for the most part, helps each other out, and strangers become close with some degree of rapidity due to the pressures of the job. I just want to take a moment here and say that I am really thankful for my colleagues in the Slovenian press who have helped me tremendously, not only on this project, but also in navigating the country, giving me rides, and generally being supportive of this dual role I've found myself in. So, thank you. Those colleagues and me, we all get into an elevator and head up to the top floor. The view out is obscured by rain and the screen-printed bird-safe glass. On little tables, the uh, Primus Roglic shop has already set up samples for the press to take home. I grab a bidden as a gift for my friend I'm visiting later in Kran. Then we all wait around, grab little glass bottles of Radenska, which is the greatest sparkling water on this earth, in my opinion, uh, and it's best drunk quickly while the carbonation still burns in the throat. I never quite get used to seeing Primoz Roglic. Pretty much every other cyclist on earth I'm used to, or at least I can get used to after getting into the groove of a race. It took me a lot of screwing up in media zone interviews and press conferences to get to that point. And had I not had the fortune of watching Richard and Francois work their magic at the tour last year, it would have taken probably, I don't know, four times as long. But anyways, Roglic, despite all we've, uh, I guess you can say if you know my whole story, been through, uh, he's got a way of uh, keeping me on my toes. I never quite know which Roglic I'm going to get, the funny open Roglic, we'll see how it goes, huh, Roglic, or a combination of both where it's like, we'll see how it goes, huh, but it's clear he's just kind of doing a bit. I'm the only person from the English press there, so it's all on my shoulders. And I can't tell if this makes things better or worse. Plus, it's been more than half a year since I've seen Roglic. The last time was in Santiago de Compostela after he won his third Vuelta. He was in a pretty good mood then. And this time, eh. He was uh, relaxed. He was uh, dressed in Yumbo Visma sweatpants and uh, seemed a little bit tired. We shook hands. It was strange seeing him so casual, so, well, uh, unguarded by press officers. He introduced me to his longtime partner and now wife, Laura Clint, who I'll speak to later. We all settle down into our respective places. After he gives his press conference in Slovene, 
Me and Primo sit down together in a pair of chairs, and some folks still linger around to hear us talk in English. We make familiar chit-chat about whether I brought a bike with me and how crazy I am for being in Slovenia for so long. Then we get to the interview proper. It starts with the most simple question. How are you? No, good. Yeah, nice. I'm also, how uh, to say, I'm not much in Slovenia, but uh, yeah, I just fell in love again uh, because riding here is just uh, beautiful. Huh? And especially like yesterday, when it's sunny and nice weather, uh, you go in the morning, you, yeah, you have white mountains behind, yeah, you start uh, with really taking pictures. It's like, you forget quickly, yeah, actually, how, how many nice roads and, uh, yeah what we have, uh, like, uh, really everything, uh, and uh, so maybe it's also then uh, in, looking from that way, not uh, really coincidence that, yes, we, we can have also good riders. Uh. Because this podcast is about the past, present, and future of Slovenian cycling, we jump right into the past. First off, Roglic had the unique experience of coming up in two different Slovenian sporting systems, ski jumping and cycling. I'm actually quite curious to see how different they are from one another. Yeah, looking from the systems, uh, uh, they are quite different, huh? Because first, uh, like uh, ski jumping is uh, is based is a national, yeah, it is a national sport, so it's uh, uh, completely opposite than uh, looking to cycling, which is uh, team sports or from yeah from the teams. Is, uh, is like yeah, playing a football, I think, from Slovenia, and uh, I don't know, uh, on the other hand, playing for Real Madrid or, or the teams. And uh, in ski jumping, uh, we, we created a history. We are ski jumping nation. And uh, you have, I don't know if, you, if you've been yet in Planitza. I went, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, you see it, or uh, when they start uh, now, they have still off season, but soon they start uh, training uh, again after a break and uh, then you can go uh, to see them yeah, in action flying mm, is, uh, yeah. you see quite a big difference than to, <laughs> to ride a bike yeah it's crazy when I saw how huge Planitza was I was like he's crazy like, I can't yeah, believe yeah, he's, uh, <laughs> yeah me I'm also now yeah. it's, it's incredible uh, you can never go down here uh, anymore but uh, when you're uh, yeah when you're young or when you get learned since yeah, I started when I was seven years old so you you grow up a bit it's, uh, it's just normal to, to jump and when you started did you have to buy all the equipment or did they have equipment for you or no yeah it's uh, the thing is uh, you you have to provide yes by yourself okay you can get uh, used skis or uh, whatever something used from, from the beginning very beginning because yes it's existing but then later on yes of course you have to take care of yourself actually or not you but your parent because you are uh, you are a kid mm -hmm. when you when you have to start doing this they have to definitely support you in in, in this and uh, yes the Later on, if you are uh, if you are super good, or yes, when you are good, uh, and I was, yes, then uh, the uh, national teams, yes, take care of you, or at least with, with the equipment and everything that uh, that you can do that sport. In cycling, even though Primus didn't start out as a young cyclist, he paints a pretty vivid picture about just how difficult it was to get started as an adult during his first years at Adria Mobile. 
from my uh, side, I don't have experience with doing it young. Mm -hmm. So uh, yes, when I started, I, I also needed to, in 2012, to, to pay and to, to get a bike and uh, yeah, get a chance uh, to have some kind of uh, coach uh, immediately that uh, brought me what I have to do, uh, mm -hmm. how I have to train. And uh, uh, yeah, that was uh, my beginning. And then yeah, in 2013, uh, was the opposite way because yeah, then I, I came to Adria and uh, yes they then they have to pay me something and yeah I still remember I really said I don't need really nothing just if I can already get a bike and equipment is crazy and uh, yeah if I can just start uh, or try because for me it was just to try if I I can really ride with the with the best guys uh, in the peloton and uh, yeah didn't seem like that from the very beginning but yeah then. <laughs> Uh, I always had, uh, how to say it, uh, the belief, or uh, I never really, uh, yeah, I always believed that I can be the best one, huh? and uh, I didn't have clue about it, what uh, actually really, uh, does it, what does it take to maybe be that or to do that, and uh, yeah, uh, that's why when I started, I, I just started, I believed, and uh, I was just doing it, and uh, I had uh, yeah, a lot of problems, of course, always, uh, like asking myself uh, why do I need this, because I, I was quite a yeah, normal guy, I, I had my school, I worked, I, I could earn my money actually, I, I didn't really need to, to, to work with my body, let's say in, in that way, to, to really uh, be on the ground and uh, yeah, really uh, live so so much with so much pain or so painful I, mm -hmm. I didn't really need that but uh, yeah uh, I get some confirmations or something that uh, is going good that yeah I'm actually really uh, in that way something special because yes I could be immediately I could immediately ride with the best ones in the world and I had a couple of thousand kilometers in my life and it always then I said okay but yeah with, with some experiences or later on uh, I think yeah, it's, it's some future in front A few weeks ago, there was an article in a Spanish newspaper where former Slovenian national team selector and now UAE team member, its coach, Andrei Hauptmann, told press that he thought Roglic was crazy for wanting to be a cyclist. Yeah, that you have to ask him. Huh? Uh, <laughs> yeah, like, uh, but uh, yeah, he was uh, one of the first guys, definitely, that uh, that we meet. Uh, because I was just sending uh, like, you know, already emails around what I need to do to, to become a cyclist. Uh, they somehow answered it and I was uh, pu pushing to them uh, for a meeting and uh, I really remember because we had a meeting and I said yeah I have uh, 3,000 kilometers in my life and uh, yeah I think I want to be professional huh? <laughs> and he said like yeah and what did you do because he, he was hoping maybe he was doing I don't know cross country or something and doing sport <laughs> and I said I ski jumping so, oh, yeah, and then he said like oh, I think he's really uh, a little you know I don't know, not completely uh, good in his head, and uh, he said, yeah, but our young kids and guys, they ride already super fast, and, uh, you know, you have to pay something that you get a bike, and at the end, you, I went two times on the, on the training, uh, on the training with them, and uh, to really experience it, and, uh, yeah, it's really, uh, yeah, it's something uh, different and special, and already at that time, I remember, maybe the first training that we did together, so that must be in 2012, 
in February or something because yes, it was more winter time and I put all the clothes on. I didn't even know how to dress as a cyclist, you know, like put all the clothes on like uh, that I had. It was cold. I came there here uh, uh, under uh, you will know Shmarnagora. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there we had a meeting with uh, these kids. The whole, like you know, professionals, you know, all these <laughs> small socks over the shoe, like sugar. I put all the big ones, and then we went here uh, towards. Uh, I, yeah, I remember it's, it's, it's really clear. And then we went towards uh, Kamnik, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, they say to me, "I just stay behind, you know, don't uh, don't do turns or nothing, you know." And yeah, I, I just had to stay behind. And uh, they started, and for me it was immediately like we went 30k per hour, but for me it was a blocker. Huh? And I, wow. I was immediately out of the breath and I said, oh, fuck it all. But maybe this really is not completely the sport for you or the way you thought it would be really like. And yeah, it, it was like that. And then we went here. Uh, you will know it also later when you start riding your bike towards Chernivets. And then already uh, I was uh, I was full, going full gas all the time. And I came like third already on the top. Uh. <laughs> Yeah, like super fast, uh, actually. And then on the top, the guy said, the coach, uh, Ruby, to go back now. Uh, like, it's enough uh, for you. And then I said, but if I came, I do the whole loop with you guys. Uh, and uh, I don't go back. Uh, it's, it's stupid. And yeah, then I went over and yeah, we did a loop one more time up and another climb. And uh, yeah, at the end, they were all like, wow. Only two, two guys maybe were faster than him uh, uh, on the climb, but yeah, of course I would never turn. They all the time said I just stay uh, behind and uh, yeah, they, you know, don't do don't do nothing that you don't crash all of us. And uh, yeah, this is in, and that was in 2012. Uh, and, uh, this was somehow the first uh, start. Uh, but yeah, then again, that was maybe you know what I mean with ten kids or 10 guys and then yeah, when you start uh, riding really in the peloton uh, yeah it's again a completely uh, different story finally there's a matter of the future of whether or not Roglic himself keeps an eye on the cyclists coming up in Slovenia yeah definitely yeah he's uh, uh, especially like uh, with Laura and now with uh, having a foundation is something that uh, we, we want to take care of uh, or uh, I want to to make it possible, uh, really for everyone, uh, that uh, yes, with uh, of course with the hard work and uh, always uh, believing that everyone can actually make it, uh, is not uh, science fiction or whatever. Of course, yes, you need a body. Of course, you need a talent. But yes, that's with everything. Uh, it's like uh, you know, if I would be probably world champion with I don't know when I was 16 in ski jumping, normally I wouldn't do cycling. Uh, so. Of course, everyone needs to find uh, his his own way or his own sport uh, that uh, that uh, suits you really good. Uh, but uh, yeah, definitely taking care of them and uh, yeah, just making it possible to that everyone uh, can at the end uh, yeah uh, ride a bike or uh, live uh, live live his dreams or live the way uh, that uh, that he wants. The cycling podcast powered by Super Sapiens. Energy management for committed athletes and coaches. Super Sapiens is the cycling podcast title sponsors and supports all of our show. And Super Sapiens have recently announced a couple of partnerships with World Tour teams. Extending their partnership with Jumbo Visma, which has been running since 2020. 
and also signing up with SD Works. Now, Anna van der Bregen, who was an Olympic gold medalist and two-time world road race champion in her racing days, of course, was an early adopter of Super Sapiens technology. And now that she is a sports director at SD Works, she's been instrumental in signing the team up with Super Sapiens to monitor the riders' glucose levels in real time when training and preparing and to give the riders that insight into how their bodies respond to not just food and fueling, but also stress of racing and traveling, uh, the excitement and adrenaline rush of competition, or even altitude, because all of those things can have an impact on energy levels and blood glucose levels. So Team SD Works, one of the latest to sign up with Super Sapiens. If you'd like to find out more, go to supersapiens.com. To get a better idea of Roglic's foundation, there is no better person to talk to than his wife, Laura Roglic Klinkts, who is also here. She's tall and dressed impeccably, in contrast to the Jumbo Visma sweatpants situation her spouse has going on. We go into the break room. Laura is also a writer. Her book, Kilometer Zero, about learning about cycling through the antics of her partner, was just recently translated into English. Now she's quite occupied by the setting up of uh, Primoz Roglic Foundation, another effort being made by Slovenian cycling's biggest stars to give back to their sport, along with Bogacar's Pogi team and Matej Mohoric's eponymous foundation. We'll hear more about the former in this episode, and the latter was mentioned in part one. The Primoz Roglic Foundation, however, takes a very broad brush towards advocacy in sports. In Laura's own words, she tells me what they plan to do and how the whole idea got started. We decided to do it last year, and we established it, but the process is really long. And yeah, and then uh, yeah, the the main objective goal is to help as much as young athletes as possible. Okay, we are of course focused on cycling, but. It's, I will, we will not say no if uh, you know a guy from another sport uh, yeah, asks for our help, you know, or if we will see that um, there is an um, uh, underdeveloped sport that really needs like a, a push or something like that. But of course, uh, our um, goal is also to, to pop- popularize cycling, you know, to. to yeah, to, uh, to, to get <laughs> uh, as much as possible kids into cycling. Yeah, of course. But you know, then you, you, then you, when you start doing this, you, you meet certain like uh, challenges. Let's say, for example, the infrastructure, the the road safety, the you know the things that um, the young athletes the problems. You know, because okay, the my point when we started talking about Primoz, um, why to make a foundation? Because in Slovenia there are really a lot of junior world champions. You know, in every sport, for example, like in ski jumping, then you have okay, also cycling, then you have like winter sports, and then of course we have great athletes also in elite category categories. 
but if we would you know like uh, if we could transfer all of the world I think we would be the most successful <laughs> yeah uh, yeah and I you know I wanted to take a look into this uh, problem let's say because what's what where where is this what is this step that it's missing you know of course you, you, you meet all kinds of stories for example like for him okay he was not the best in the world and he decided to stop because you know for youngsters that are like uh, uh, used to win it's really hard to focus then a defeat <laughs> yeah so we will um, put a lot of Effort, yeah, effort, yeah. To, to, to help them, you know, to recover, to overcome these problems that, that they meet, and uh, yeah, on all sorts of levels, for example, in psychology, with the helping them with the rehab, with maybe with the sports equipment, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so, what we did already this year is like. Um, we put 5,000 for the, create the young cyclists that have to leave their country because of war, and we offer them to pay them, you know, like, um, that whatever they need, a car, uh, a flat, food. Then we, we, we put this week in Maribor, it's the Alpe Adria and the national championship in B BMX cycle. Mm -hmm. We also um, help them, you know, with uh, 1,000 for the ambulance car. These things are really expensive. Mm -hmm. And then we bought uh, three or four bike bags, which we will um, borrow to, to the athletes that don't have. What else? Uh, yeah, there in Slovenia schools go on um, like trips. Mm -hmm. uh, primary schools mm -hmm. and not all the kids or families can afford it so we offered again 1000 to, to to these kids that uh, they cannot you know afford so this is sorry yeah, no 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 <laughs> no this is good shoot shoot at the du peloton cycling podcast team car the back of the pack please that's Seb PK, the voice of Radio Tour, to remind me to tell you that this episode is sponsored by the Hammerhead Karoo 2 cycle computer I've actually taken a break from plotting some routes on the Hammerhead dashboard to record this advert because I'm in the middle of setting our route for the second half of our Tour de Cos cycle tour. Simon Gill and I did the first half back in the spring. We're riding between every Scottish football league ground and we split the tour in half and the second half from Bonnie Rig, just south of Edinburgh, all the way up to Dingwall, which is where Ross County play we'll be doing later on this summer and the whole series will be released as a series of explore in november but i've been using the hammerhead to plot the routes the dashboard is really easy it's simple point and click to draw the routes on the map and by using the ordnance survey maps and also the sustran cycle network maps it's really easy to pick a traffic free route an attractive route and also seek out some points of interest along the way the Hammerhead Karoo 2 continues to evolve and improve because every couple of weeks there's a software update and one of the things I've noticed recently is that points of interest along routes are becoming more obvious. They're pointed out on the Karoo 
and one of the things that I really liked about it when we were riding in Scotland last time is that we could divert off our set route by just dropping a pin and the Karoo 2 would steer us to that pin and then get us back onto our planned route seamlessly. So it didn't feel like we were stuck to an itinerary if we wanted to uh, take in another point of interest along the way. Anyway, I'd better get on with mapping the rest of these stages. If you'd like to buy a Hammerhead Karoo 2 for a limited time, all Cycling Podcast listeners can get a free heart rate monitor. Just go to hammerhead.io and use the promo code CYCLE at checkout to get yours today. This is an exclusive limited time offer just for our listeners, so use the promo code CYCLE and you'll get the free heart rate monitor with the purchase of a Karoo 2. Basically, add both items to your cart at hammerhead.io and then use the promo code CYCLE to get the heart rate monitor for free. Now from dreaming of Scotland, back to Kate and Slovenia. It's understandable that the big pros are returning back to the roots in Slovenia. The country is seeing the kind of cycling moment that only happens once in a century, if ever. It's home to three of the best cyclists in the world, and everywhere you go, you see fans on bikes with Jumbo Visma UAE or Bahrain Victoria's kit. There are more people on bikes for recreation, more cycling infrastructure that's being added, and cycling itself has become one of Slovenia's most popular sports. The interest in the sport has trickled down to the youth, who watch Roglic and Pogacar on television and think, I can do that. I spoke last time about the changes in the way the sport has been financed, how the infrastructure from the Yugoslav days lingered on just long enough to give riders like Mohoric and Pogacar bikes and gear when they were young cyclists. With the increasing demand and with the fragility of the capitalist sponsorship model, cycling superstars have stepped in with their own time and money to ensure a future for competitive cycling in Slovenia and to help ease the burden of fresh demand. The first rider to do this was, somewhat ironically, considering he's not much older than a kid himself, Tede Bugacar. In November of 2020, shortly after he won the tour the first time, Bogacar came to his old coaches at Caderog in Ljubljana and told them, I want to start a cycling team. He put up a lot of his own money, his own sponsors, and he shoots supermarket commercials in order to donate the funds to what is now known as Pogi Team. There's also a sandwich in two supermarkets named after Pogacar, and in my opinion, it's pretty decent as far as supermarket sandwiches go. I've been following Pogi team around for a few months. I profiled them for the youth issue of Rulaire. I wanted to get to know this organization that produced someone as talented as today Pogacar, but I also wanted to see for myself how Slovenian cycling handles its youngest generation of stars. In order to do that beyond just interviews, I had to go to a race. It's 7, bright and early. My friend Giga, whose little brother rides for Pogi Team, picks me up at my hotel and drives me to his house. In the entryway, there's bikes lined up against the wall and cycling kit lies drying on a drying rack near the, an open window where it can catch the breeze. After toast, Giga and his family and myself all pile into a van. We're driving towards Italy. It becomes immediately apparent when Slovenia ends and Italy begins. The landscape flattens out, the Alps disappear, as do the characteristic monadnocks that poke out from the ground like little green pimples. The houses appear different. They shed their pitched alpine roofs and take on a more stuccoed and terracotta Venetian flair. We slow down into a town called Morgano, about 30 kilometers from Venice. 
but without any of the trappings of a city. It's small with a lovely delicate chapel and two arcaded piazzas marking the main square. On the same day as the race is a festival celebrating the asparagus harvest, which is the town's main export. Tractors both old and new stand at attention and are admired by passers-by. The race is called the GP Sportivi di Balderi in its 53rd edition. It's a minor Italian juniors race. Team cars and vans, like pro cycling but in miniature, line up in front of a school. And when we get out of the car, the pogi team kids are already in their folding camping chair, shirtless, pinning their numbers, putting on sunscreen, talking among themselves, scrolling through TikTok. Their atmosphere is very casual. Their mismatched bikes lean up against various objects. Other teams, especially the Italian ones, come with full team cars topped with Pinarillo dogmas, mechanics, sports directors, and polo shirts. It's clear that the Slovenians, including Kaka Kran in a neighboring spot, are the Luke Skywalkers to junior cycling's Darth Vader's, but they don't really seem to mind. One of the young stars of Pogi team, Luca Muha, who finished third recently in Pogacar's own local criterium in Comenda, tells me a little bit about the race and what the plans are. Already he sounds like a seasoned bike racer, including with the press. Uh, we're in Italy, we're in the Veneto region. Um, I think the, the, um, the town is Bauduere, something like this, and we're on, we're on a race. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. No, nothing. What's it feel like to race in Italy? Um, it's uh, normal for me because we go here every week. Um, it's good because um, there are a lot of good guys and the race has, the races are um, interesting and dynamic and it's fast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what is it? What does the race look like today? Do you? Uh... Um, yeah, it's a flat course and I think with a lot of corners and um, stuff like that. So. The position is going to be very, very important um, because of the elastic. If you're too far at the back, you are chasing all the time. So I'll try to be at the front and maybe try with an attack or two in the breakaway. We'll see how that goes. How is your team? Yeah, my team is good. We are a very, we are a very good team. Yeah. Uh, we um, we understand each other very good. We we like to judge together, and I. Can't wait till we start. Yeah, yeah. This is Muha's seventh season with Kaderag. He says that once Pogacar started sponsoring the team two years ago, things changed dramatically. It's an honor for me to represent his name in the world of cycling, but not just on the um, elite, but also on the junior um, category. Like it's, it feels very good to, to show his name that we are uh, his people. Yeah, yeah. What do you think it means for like the future Slovenians? Yeah, like, I think that's uh, very good because um, the, now everybody's gonna keep an eye on us and of course if you see someone from Pogo team, oh, they're the Slovenians, they're good, stuff like that. I think we're, we'll get more respected in the bunch as well and I think that's all good for, the, for Slovenia. The crunching of gravel and things begin to get underway. The boys suit up in fresh pokey team kit. It's time to head to the start. The sky is dark and threatens rain. People crowd around market stands and poke their heads up in curiosity of the spectacle of a hundred teenage boys in Lycra. There's an air of seriousness to it now, not like it was just a few minutes ago. 
The crowds cheer, and the announcer gives the young men their blessing. Already, after they set off, it's fast and furious. These circuit races always are. We rush back to the car to drive out to the feed zone where we'll watch the rest of the race. Pogi team coach and ex-Pogacar teammate Blaj Debevitz is already sitting in a folding chair, preparing water bottles, filling them from a water cooler. It's through him that I get a better understanding of Pogi team. But first I ask him for an update on the race and just who these guys are. One of the best teams have, has two riders in that group, but um, they are, if they don't have like four or five riders in the breakaway, they will chase. Even yeah. though they have five, the two, two guys in the front, they will still chase because wow. they have a really strong sprinter today here. So uh, they like, they win most of the races in North Italy. Which team is this? Uh, Borgo Molino, like uh, green and uh, black jerseys. And they have the Dogma. Dogma, yeah, yeah. Pinorello. Yeah. They are like juniors, but they already have some kind of salary. Like, is, it, is there such a thing as like pushing those kids too hard? Yeah, um, yeah, this is kind of the problems um, because most of the, there are a lot of, well, some coaches who just want to make the result um, for themselves, like yeah. for the, so they can brag about the results. But uh, in my opinion, and like from every coach in our team, is that um, it's the most important that even, of course, we're trying to to make them even better every day, but like not pushing them every every workout full gas. Um, still, the most important that have a lot of uh, a lot of rest during the, the training process. And today, who's in this race? You know, how do they stack up against young kids racing with salaries already? It's a pretty mind-boggling setup. Yeah, today we are here with. Uh, with juniors category, so there are boys, uh, guys, uh, 17 and 18 years old. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, we have uh, one rider who's a pretty good sprinter, but uh, not in the like big, big group. So yeah. that's the rider who's in the breakaway, yeah. uh, Bine Mishkulin. So that's a good situation for him because he can be very good in the like small group sprint. Uh, and um, there are like, we don't have like sprinters. So um, yeah, we're trying with the breakaway. And if uh, Doman gets to the front uh, also, then we have two riders there and that's a good, good situation for mm -hmm. us. So what does like an ideal finish look like here for, for Pogi team? Yeah. Uh, the, it, Ideal would be uh, like a small group that will come to the finish, and we have maybe two riders in the in the breakaway. That will be like ideal to maybe have a rider in the top ten. But um, we're not here today with uh, with our best guys. Two of them are with the national team in uh, in Belgium. Uh, so more well, some guys here are first time in Italy, so they're just trying to to get the feeling how the races are, are work here. And it's really different from in Slovenia. Yeah, completely different because um, on Slovenian races, there are like 50 riders at the start and yeah. then they come to Italy and they hear like maybe 200 riders and it's complete, like, just the speed is uh, much higher than, um, than in Slovenia. The, 
the whole dynamic of the group is is much different. Like, um, so yeah, that's that's why we are here in Italy to to get those kind of experience. And it's important for Slovenian cycling to be able to race in Italy. And uh, yes, we're really lucky that uh, like we don't need to go uh, very far to have very high quality races. Like maybe one hour across the border and we have like dozens of races um, every every weekend actually so I think this year we were we were more than maybe 10 times in 10 times in Italy already so yeah like it's very good to to be here to getting the experiences <laughs> at um, yeah to and maybe if you can make the result here then it's a lot um, the you have uh, bigger chances to get to national team and then to races on the nation's cup and stuff like this that's a really important point in order for pokey team to compete at the biggest competitions including that 2018 tour de l'avenir won by tadej pogacar for it was called pokey team they need to send the riders to the slovenian national team which races in those big juniors events all around europe belgium france etc if you remember martin havastia from the last episode He's still the selector of the junior national team, responsible for picking out which young guys from which clubs go to which races. According to Debevitz, the relationship between the local teams and the national team is fairly straightforward. <laughs> the relationship, um, well, there's like no, no special relationship. We'll just like any other team, we need to, to prove ourselves to have, uh, to have riders in the national team. So there's not like... We are not privileged yeah. more than, for example, Adria or any other team. So uh, we need to, yeah, to make a good result, especially here in Italy. And if we have a lot of uh, riders uh, who race good here, then they, they, they will also get chance to ride for a national team. And the uh, uh, KJS selects the national team. The, the Nace. Yeah. Ah, yes. Uh, yeah, he... Um, He's a lot of times also here in uh, Italy. He watched the the races. He also he not just the, he's not just checking the results, but he also uh, come to the race and watch uh, to see wh- which riders are active, who's in a breakaway, who's chasing the group, who's maybe leading out the, their sprinter. And he's also um, he's also watching stuff like this. So. It's not just about the result, it's also about other things. Now I turn my attention to Blaj himself. He's a young guy with a cyclist build, dressed in a Pogi Team t-shirt and faux Ray-Bans. When I ask him who he is and what exactly he does, he says... Uh, I am uh, Blaj Debevitz. Uh, I'm a cycling coach for four, almost four years now. Um, before that I was uh, also, I was racing for uh, our team. So before became Pogi team, I was racing for here for Ljubljana, uh, Ljubljana Radenska or Ljubljana uh, Us or Ljubljana Migi Migi, whatever. Yeah. And then in uh, in uh, under 23 team in Ljubljana Gusto. Um, but yeah, now I'm uh, helping to coach the juniors. Um, so yeah, it's very dynamic job. It's not, it's never uh, boring. It's always always action. Um, yeah, most of the weekends we are here in uh, Italy or in other countries. Um, otherwise, I'm a student of sports coaching. Uh, what else?
Blash tells me he learned a lot from Miha Kancilia, who is today Pugacar's first coach and a staple at Caderog. Kancilia also took a similar path, choosing not to pursue a professional career in favor of going to school to study sports medicine, after which he returned to Caderog. It's possible that this local and very educated approach without long stints in the world tour is partially responsible for the chill attitude I've been witnessing here. I asked Debevets about how he searches for talent and what it is the kids are actually learning in Caderog, how they become cyclists. The answer he gives is fairly casual and to be honest, it's also quite forgiving. There's a lot of riders who are already like developed a lot. Um, their puberty came faster than maybe um, compared to other other cyclists. So um, if yeah, if uh, one kid is good at uh, 15 years uh, of age, uh, that doesn't mean that he will be uh, like a world tour rider one day. But um, yeah, we are trying to be um, to look also for those riders who are maybe not that developed at that stage, but because we know what happened what happened with the day he was like very late bloomer so um we we are watching for those riders who are maybe a bit not that developed because they can still be very good uh, when when they will maybe grow up so uh, uh the most important is that the riders learn how to ride in this group the and then like it's not all about uh, watts per kilo it's more very much more about the positioning in the, in the group um, and yeah to be economic at, at racing speaking of being economic at racing the race is on one boy Doman Oblak has been in the breakaway for quite a few laps but it's clear in the last one he's going to get pulled back by the rapidly approaching bunch we scramble for our cars so that we can make it to see the finish by the time we're back in Morgano everything has been stitched together and there's a sea of black jerseys on the front one of them wins. The first eight finishers in the race are Italian. But the Pokey team guys are pleased nonetheless. It was a success, for the simple reason of it being a race where they got better at racing. I caught up with Luca Muha after the race to hear his side of it. What happened? Uh, yeah, so um, after, in the beginning I tried with some attacks and then after two laps a group of about 10 to 20 people went to the front and we had two guys in the front so it was very good. I think they won both um, intermediate sprints. Really? Yes. Um, and then two laps to go, Borgo Molino just came to the front and hammered it. We caught, we caught them uh, about a lap to go, and then it was just battled for positions for the sprint. Uh, I tried to help and rush get in a good position, but because we were on the windy side of the road, it was very hard, but yeah. With, uh, you're happy with the race? Yeah, I'm happy. Um, I think I did quite well. I, I avoided the crashes and um, I think I had good position in the group. Uh, yeah, we were lucky with the weather. Now it's raining. <laughs> yeah. Were there, were there a lot of crashes? Uh, there was one crash um, in the second lap, I think. It was uh, two. I, un I only know for one. <laughs> uh, there, were, uh, there was one, cra one crash. I was behind the boys. We just all of a sudden we were all breaking, and then I saw some guys lying on the floor. I was lucky there, but yeah, that's it. Yeah, good race though. Yeah, it was. And what's your next race? Uh, next race, I think next week in, Ica in Italy as well, Corno di Rosacco with some hills and a climb at the end. It's better for you? Yeah, it will be better, of course.
Oblak, who was in the breakaway, recounts his experiences along with another one of his teammates, Andraj Skok, who won an intermediate sprint. Uh, Luca said that you took that people took some intermediate sprints. Do you know who took them? Yeah, Vinny took two sprints, first place, and Andraj uh, was third on the first sprint. You want to say something about today? Uh, the race was very interesting. I was in a breakaway with Doman. Uh, he, uh, I think his leadership is very good. He told me what to do and how to do something, and uh, I'm very proud of him. <laughs> and yeah, I won two sprints, uh, so for me it was very successful. And those were the, the sprints for the cash prizes? Uh, yes, yes. So you got some money out of it? Uh, yes, I think 80 euros. Nice. Yep, pretty good. After the interviews, the boys sit around and discuss how the day went. They pack up their stuff, get changed, and set off in search of pizza together. It really wasn't so different from the softball games I remember from my own adolescence. Certainly, as a spectator, it appeared to me what it was. A bunch of kids having fun on a Saturday. On the drive home, only when we left Italy did the threatened rain fall. The Cycling Podcast is supported by Science in Sport. Science in Sport. Fueled by science. As I sit here in this virtual Slovenian rain, my thoughts turn not to Slovenia, but to France and to Denmark, because the Tour de France is about to kick off. Hello, I'm Tom Wally producer of this episode and the presenter of Service Course here at the Cycling Podcast. Just stepping out from behind the glass to remind you that the Tour de France is about to start and it's gruelling and if you need some sustenance to maintain yourself through those three gruelling weeks and boy don't we all, then you should stock up with Science in Sport goodies. For all your gels, recovery drinks, powders, Science in Sport will be supporting the cycling podcast on our trip around France, as they always do. And if you want to get 25% off your next order with Science in Sport, just go to scienceinsport.com and enter the offer code SISCP25. That's SISCP25. A month or so after I checked in on Pogi Team, I'm back for the Slovenian National Road Championships in Maribor. It's muggy and hot and a little miserable. I'm already sunburned, I'm pretty sure. The cumulus clouds look like cotton balls in the sky. The afternoon is sleepy and many shops are closed. In Maribor, the buildings are heavier, more Germanic, but the substance is the same. Intimate, finely detailed, and with a broad square instead of a spindly bridge over a river like in Ljubljana. Maribor is home to the, one of Slovenia's most popular literary exports, the postmodern novelist Dragor Jančar, whose most popular novel about an elusive wealthy woman trapped in the forward momentum of history during the Second World War, I Saw Her That Night, has been widely translated. A kilometer or so from here, you'll also find the Maribor Jail, which is where the authorities kept the Yugoslav writer Ivo Andrić after he was arrested due to his association with Gavrilo Princip the young Sarajevan who shot Franz Ferdinand. So you can say that it's a literary city with lots of history. It's Sunday. Slovenian nationals are important for the pros and the pro Conti teams, but for the juniors, they're pretty huge. This is Pokey team's main goal of the season, and so far it's going well for them. 
A few days ago in Novomesto, young Nathan Gregorcic won the men's time trial. Pogatim has brought a similar team to the Nationals that they did to the race in Morgano. Oblak is there as well as Muha. Gregorcic, who is in Belgium, that weekend only serves to strengthen the team. There are others as well. They all have to come up with a particular strategy because on paper, the rival team, Adria Mobile, has a stronger team of climbers, as well as the talented Jacques Ergen, who is the son of ex-rider and Bahrain Victoria's big boss, Milan Ergen. Ergen is one of the strongest juniors riders in Europe at the moment, especially in sprinting. There isn't a time, unfortunately, to get everyone's perspective before the start, because riders are scattered about everywhere in the uh, NK Marabor Stadium. They're in the parking lot, on the surrounding streets, just basically trying to get to the line on time. Slovenia is so small that at the start, there's only a handful of, of guys compared to the race in Italy, which felt like a really full peloton. It's so small also that the women race with the junior boys because for the women, there are fewer numbers still. The commissaire gives the signal and they're all off. Then it's a matter of watching them come in lap by lap on the circuit. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Then on the last lap, the whole thing's a blur. It's a sprint and I can't see immediately who won. In fact, I'm not even sure how many laps it's been. I rush back to the parking area where they're all right in at the end. And I ask my friend Giga when I get there who won, and Giga tells me, ask Doman. Doman's in the middle of a conversation, so first I ask Debevitz, who's also been coaching today. Can I ask you for it on the record now? <laughs> Sorry. Okay. So what happened? Uh, during the race. During the race, yes. Well, uh, we had one rider in the group from the, from the start, Bine uh, Mushkulini, who was caught I think two laps later, he went uh, solo. Uh -huh. uh, and then the small group uh, uh, break away uh, with uh, six riders. We had two riders in there, uh, Doman and uh, Nikolai. Um, so uh, we were a bit, we have to, um, to be a bit tactical because there was a very strong rider from Adria in the front uh, who can be dangerous on the climb, but not, um, but not in the sprint. So, uh, we were saving a bit. Uh, the group wasn't so fast uh, during the during the whole race. Uh, so even Adria lost a lot of riders, so they couldn't uh, chase it. Um, so at the end, yeah, the Adria rider tried to attack, but he couldn't get away, and so the race was uh, was ended with a with a sprint of a small group, and uh, Doman was was the strongest. That's amazing because the last time we talked, Dolman was in a breakaway in uh, that little in race Italy. in Italy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He um, he's um, like he's using his head a lot. He's not just uh, legs and that's all, but he's also uh, using his head. Um, uh, his tactic is very good. He's not just going straight uh, over everything. He also think a lot uh, during the race and that's that's the most important uh, during the race i think and he's more of a sprinter right than in profile Oof. or they're too young to tell now no we are not trying to um, categorize to categorize the riders yes uh, because everybody are, need to be tried need to be good at everything or at least trying to uh, if we if we yeah categorize the riders at that age it's it's uh, pointless but um, he's like he can sprint good, but more or less he's all arounder. He can also get through through some climbs, not like 20 minutes, but like short climbs can uh, fit him very well. 
And uh, what does this mean for Pokey Team? This is a really big victory for you guys. Oh, that's yeah, second uh, jersey uh, of national champion in uh, in one week. Uh, so yeah, we won the time trial, and uh, today we won the road race. Uh, 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 time trial was yeah, we knew that Nathan was the strongest, but uh, today we we just we try to do everything to not uh, get with the whole group to the finish because we know uh, Adria has uh, a strong sprinter there. Uh, so we try to make a race hard from the start uh, and yeah, we we were successful at it. Would you say that more of a rivalry is um, developing between you guys and Adria now? Uh, or has it always been that way? It's Well, it's not the rivalry, but uh, like more or less we are the best clubs in uh, Slovenia and we are like the, the riders are like friends with each other but du- but during the race uh, that's uh, that's another story that's another story yeah, they're trying to everyone trying to win so yeah uh, but they are friends uh, immediately immediately after the race again so. yeah i think that's it and then i see an exhausted domen oblak who is now the new slovenian junior national champion okay no problem he seems pretty relaxed for such a huge achievement and he gives one of his, I would say, characteristically laid-back statements. So, you've just become the Slovenian national champion for your category. Yes. How do you feel? Uh, I'm really happy. I, I didn't believe most of the race. But then I had a great teammate with me and together we won. Who was with you? Nikolai Gregoric. Okay. Yes, he's a really strong guy. Um, yeah, so he did a great work for me. And what happened in the race? <coughs> um, me and Nikola went in breakaway in third lap, I believe. And uh, every every lap there was um, less riders in the breakaway. And for the sprint, we were four of, there were four of us. And Nikolai pulled for me. And uh, we, we won a long sprint. Nice. And so, you gonna, are you kind of excited like what the jersey is going to look like? Or the... uh, I'm very excited to, to have a national champion jersey. It's a really special thing and I'm super happy. I have to say, being at the national championships, watching the young riders from clubs both big and small, and seeing just how many cyclists there are and how passionate they are, it's it's pretty incredible. I mean, but that's Slovenia too, just as a country. The more time I spend here, the more incredible it is to me. The more familiar it gets, the more I still have to discover. The Slovenes have a folk notion of the ninth country, a distant place where life is free of suffering. And the number nine represents something important that is difficult to achieve. You could say, if you really wanted to stretch the metaphor to the point of farce, that Slovenia is in the ninth country of cycling. But staying in that role is going to take a lot of effort for now. And I would say, for now, that they're on the right track. So if you're listening, maybe you should take some notes. Remember the names of the young men in this podcast. You might be seeing them on Eurosport in the near future. I'm Kate Wagner, reporting from Ljubljana for the Cycling Podcast. The Cycling Podcast was created in 2013 by Richard Moore, Daniel Freed, and Lionel Byrne.
Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.